0: Welcome to the NLP Highlights Podcast. We host experts to tell us some of the secrets of making sense of human languages using AI. The hosts, myself, Bridger, and Pradeep Dazighi, met many years ago at Carnegie Miller University where we did our PhD. Pradeep Dazigi now works for ai too, and I work for Holistic Intelligence for Global Good. Today, we have Kyle Lowe is, as our guest uh, from the Allen Institute for Artificial Intelligence. Welcome to the podcast, Kyle. Hello. Hi. Nice to see you, everyone. Today, I would like to uh, talk with you, Kyle, about Science of Science, which is something that you have been working on for a long time. Uh, Ka- uh, Pradeep and I did some work on it as well. So uh, I would love to uh, kind of like pick your latest thoughts on this. You've been leading the, a lot of the research that's happening in Semant Scholar. Uh, in this area. And uh, I think a lot of people can benefit from your understanding of it. So let's start with what is science of science?
1: Yeah. um, Well, I'm gonna disclaimer that I'm like science of science that I I specialize in very particular aspects of science of science. It's a very broad area, but I guess my understanding of it is it's basically a a field of computational sociology. The goal is to use computational methods or scale methods to study the process of science. And so this might be studying um, how s- the communities, scientific communities, how they share ideas, communicate, publish, write, build off each other's, it might be studying the individual scientists within a particular community, how they form ideas, how they approach problems, etc. Um, it might be studying sort of like technology that's available, not available, um, studying how funding uh, influences science is kind of everything to do with how science is conducted and progresses um any of this any studying that meta question of science through scientific means is science of science
0: that sounds very broad uh, so it's super people, broad yeah there's no one co- would you say there's a coherent community or who does csr or is it really comprised of multiple sub communities that don't talk to each other i i don't know
1: how i would say at the very least i think it's super broad i think like there's a lot of communities that conduct science of science on their own community because it's sort of like for me i'm an nlp person and i'm interested in how nlp research is being done by its community so i'll have maybe have connections and collaborations with other people who study the nlp community but uh not as much connection with like other groups that are happening within chemistry within other subfields of biology etc so there's probably a lot of diffuse science-to-science work within that's community specific. And then there's sort of like more people who do like more overarching work, um, James Evans, Carl Bergstrom, who do like kind of all of science across multiple Mm -hmm. fields, how, uh, when they study like information flowing from like chemistry to biology and then biology to computer science, et cetera. Um, And those also have diffuse, um, sort of diffuse publishing communities as well. So I think people kind of know each other, but like, having a really good handle of who's who's in this space is a little bit tough
2: uh how old would you say this community is uh, at least the way you've defined it uh, it seems like it's something that people have been studying for a while
1: oh i guess like forever so like i, th- I think like as long as science is like sort of scientific method scientific studying as has existed people have sort of studied this meta problem like what are we doing actually like how what's the right way to be doing this actually like um i think like a, there's one I, I would consider science a science paper that is often cited it's like by kuhn like i think it's like in the 60s even um studying like this idea around like paradigm shifts in science and stuff like so like even back then people were studying just like what does it mean to do science and how does science progress? Um, at that time, they were studying, they were thinking about like, more philosophically, just like, oh, well, when do people adopt new ideas? When do scientists get pushed to develop new techniques? Or do they exploit sort of existing practice and, and, and really go um, uh, and really refine existing I- I- existing ideas? And so like, I don't know, 60s, even predating that probably even in the 30s, people were doing this. And before
2: Cool. Yeah. Uh, what about this field that's uh, really exciting to you? Why did you get into it? Um, I think for me, so ultimately,
1: my focus is, I want to build useful tools that helps scientists do work. And really, what that means is, you need to know, you need to have some sense of like, what is useful, and not what is useful for an individual scientist, like, building something that an individual scientist would be happy to use, um, but also what is good for a field. Um, so what is good for a particular publishing community and what and and without studying science and science, I don't really know what it is that we should be aiming for. Like what is a healthy state of a community that is progressing in science versus uh, potentially without without thinking about science and science, you might end up building tools that just everyone every individual scientist is using. but doesn't benefit the field as a whole. It just stresses everyone else out because they have to adopt another tool. Um, so Science of Science is more of like a, gives me like a sense of like, oh, this is a good direction, this is a bad direction.
0: I, I guess uh, you've been working on that for seven years, six years oh, now? Dear. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're old, <Wow>. style. <laughs> I know. <laughs> How, did, did you start hearing about this mission of like enabling scientists after you joined AI2 and semester, or did you feel like you this was something that you cared about even before joining?
1: I think even before joining, I cared about this. So, uh, like, I guess back in back in school when I was still doing old classical statistics, uh, I was pretty. I was mostly focusing a lot on like social network analysis, computational s- social science, like statistics for social science, and so. One of the interesting data sources to study there is basically like academic graphs, citation networks, um, and like transmission of information. So I guess that was always a part of it. Um, but it definitely accelerated a lot more after joining this team.
0: No wonder you were uh, a top candidate. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, one of the typical, like the prototypical examples of work that really made a big impact uh, in this area is. A paper published um, a few years ago in Nature, twenty nineteen, um, Fei, Wu, D- Dashun Wang, and James Evans. The mm-hmm. title of the paper is "Large Teams Develop and Small Teams Disrupt ah, Science yeah. and Technology." We actually hosted that in the podcast, of, like when it came out. And yeah. uh, I know that Kai knows about this work, so I'm, uh, you know, bringing it up. Um, and it, it, to me, it kind of like it captures the essence. But I imagine it's only one sub community that like tries to understand this. um but it it really gives me like uh, like the um, you know, like a, a clear blueprint for if you want to create a big shift in how people uh, do science of science, you want to kind of like analyze data at a large scale and come mm-hmm. up with a nugget of understanding that uh, people did not have in this coherent way before. And honestly, you know whenever somebody comes up with a conclusion like this a lot of people will post rationalize and say yeah I well, we already knew that but uh, the fact that you have data to back it up and clear examples and you know publish in a, in a top-tier journal it does make a difference
1: yeah um I think so i guess sorry what's the question that was not a question <laughs> like uh, i mean it, yeah I think it's great work it's um i it's it's a flavor of work that I guess what it does is it provides theory that feels testable. It's not easy to test, but it feels testable. And that's kind of the the flavor of science and science work that I do like it's like, um, like if it like under that paper, uh, after reading the paper, you as like an NSF grant person who decides what, what to fund or you as like a university administrator deciding how to manage large pools of money to fund different types of academic departments. Um, you might read that and go like, oh, maybe I want to move things around a little bit uh, to promote these types of smaller groups. And that's a testable that's a testable scenario. Then it's very hard because you can't really have like a world in which you did a thing and the world in which you didn't. So there's like difficult statistics you have to do. But at least it feels like after reading that paper, you have some ideas on how to make better decisions. So I, I, I quite like that flavor of work.
0: Awesome. Um so the next question we had um, is what are the key goals of psi psi in your opinion? Psi, psi is what we're using to like as a shorthand for science. Sounds psi.
1: good. Sci squared. Psi. <laughs> <laughs> um the key goals, I guess. So for me, science of science ultimately is is to help us as us as sort of like researchers scientists um basically stakeholders in the activity of science to just have a better understanding around what what's going on Um, it's it's like it's like physics for me it's like just like understanding what's how things move how things play it's like understand it's like economics or physics or just like any sort of like large phenomena understanding type of type of need Um, if i understand the process of science how ideas are transmitted Uh, how good ideas are formed, uh, how scientists adopt information. This influences me individually as a researcher, how to act better. So, um, I can get formed better opinions around what I think is a better way to present my, my, my work so I can write better potentially, or I can have a better way of designing my experiments or even have a better sense around what problems to pick on, to, to pick to work on versus what problems to avoid. Like, for example, science of science might guide my opinion around what I consider to be an impactful contribution, or a long lived contribution, if I understand more of that theory, and then that influences my day to day decision making. Um, as a developer of systems that try to help systems or tools, um, or I guess like models that that can be used uh, to help scientists, the science of science also helps inform what I should build. Um, make sure I'm building that uh, in, a, in a way that is good for a community of scientists, um, but also has the right incentives because we understand how individual scientists think, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so just like, make sure that I'm not wasting my time building something that is like completely off the mark. Um, I guess ultimately, that's that's me. It's like understanding it's for improving human understanding, so that we can make better decisions, either at an individual level, or maybe at a community level, as well as like, specifically for tool building, it's like knowing what to build, and how to how build
2: much it. of this do you think is uh, field specific, you did mention earlier that uh, within uh, different fields, people do study their own fields, right? Uh, yeah, do you think the goals are also somewhat field specific?
1: I think so. I think I actually suspect suspect a lot of science sciences science is happening in a field specific manner. There's definitely like these like really seminal works that show up in like nature, mm-hmm. uh, PNAS, um, science and set of these like venues that sort of like are like, broader. And I guess like with any science there's like stuff that's a little bit further out, that's more general and maybe takes a bit of time for people to absorb and understand how to apply it directly to their communities. Whereas, um, community specific work is a little bit shorter term in terms of the, like its benefits, like it's a lot more actionable. So like an example is like of like a, a community specific study is um, we had a project with Lucy Wong at UW um, and an intern Hanchen Cao at, at uh, Stanford um, a- around looking at hyperlinks in archive preprints and how like there's been an increase in usage of hyperlinks in these papers. Um, because archive deals with physics, uh, computer science, math, statistics, and as computational methods are, are increasingly used, there's a lot more links to these like data artifacts, links to sort of videos, other artifacts that are like that aren't necessarily contained in the paper itself. And so you can think of like the scientific work itself is more diffuse onto other non-paper artifacts, non-archival artifacts that are on the internet. And what happens is you try to go get get the data set, you try to go get the code, or cetera, and it's gone. Um, because it's not archived in a a stable manner like a paper is. And so what we were studying is like, oh, well, are people um, actually increasingly using uh, hyperlinks to basically share scientific artifacts? And simultaneously, um, how preserved are those artifacts? Like if you just tried to revisit hyperlinks from like a year ago, how often are are they just gone? Um, And this type of study really makes sense when you're talking about communities that use a lot of hyperlinks to share artifacts in another community where this is not as the case like maybe if you're more like a theoretical uh field the, this study doesn't really quite make sense so or it's not as applicable so this is the kind of what i mean by like there's like smaller scale scope studies that feel a lot closer um which is why i don't know a lot about what ha- what's happening in a lot of other fields <laughs> you
0: know what, uh, that reminds me of uh, this paper I like it's not even a good paper, but like I put it out a few years ago and I keep getting, you know, people come like asking me to help them use, you know, the link to a GitHub repository that I linked mm-hmm. there. And it's like, yeah, I'm not working on this for many years now. Sorry guys. And I'm not I'm not going to like spend a lot of time uh on this. And um, but it's to your point, it's a it's a bit better than having the link, you know, having a broken link, but still it speaks to the same uh, thing where people put in a link that is not necessarily sustainable or not necessarily uh, maintainable on the long on the long term. Uh, I wanted to ask you. I thought what you would say as like a key goal for SciSci, given that you work for science scholar, mm-hmm. is accelerating science. Because you know my knowledge about the team is like this is the mission, and accelerating science. So I'm I'm going to do a straw man argument right now and like check sure. this even though you didn't say it. Sure sure. <laughs> because it's something that I really genuinely want to discuss with you in a in a in a thoughtful manner given that you have been like a big part of that you know group um mm-hmm. for a while. Uh how do you think about accelerating science and uh, do you consider that to be a goal uh, maybe not your goal but is it a goal in science? I think science?
1: it's def- it's definitely oh in science of science I think to an extent, uh, yes, I think I think um, if I think about like science of science as helping improve human understanding around the process of science and understanding is meaningful if, if it guides your decision making for these kind of like, like, at the end of the day, what types of decisions are we trying to make, we're trying to make better decisions that promote science, all of these th- that reduce barriers for scientists so that they can focus on the impactful work, etc. Cetera, so et cetera. all of this is is in service of some sort of accelerant. Um, I think people might disagree on like what direction they're accelerating to, but any sort of understanding to make better decisions is essentially an optimization procedure. And optimization is always in service of accelerating towards some direction. Now, what direction that is, what that means, like what is that world state? I think people might disagree.
0: So like one thing that I'm very passionate about is reducing income inequality, which kind of like in this realm, it translates to leveling the playing field so that not all the work comes mm-hmm. out of the, you know, like the Western countries, the more advanced wealthier, mm-hmm. uh, you know, governments and, you know, research groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mission, my, like part of my mission uh, at HIG is to actually basically diffuse this uh, or like really help people who currently have like one hand tied behind their back mm-hmm. to be able to do, to advance uh, the science they're doing, the research they're working on to, to some extent, as fast as other people uh, like, you know, for example, Stanford or CMU. Mm-hmm. Of course I have nothing like, like I benefit a lot from being, we're going to CMU myself. Uh, so I cannot complain about that, but I would love to have a broader footprint right like i would like everyone to be able to contribute to this and uh, the key aspect which i only realized a few months ago is this concentration of work and acceleration of work happening by those groups reflects on what kind of problems we are working on because when mm-hmm. when you are when you face certain problems as a researcher you fo- you find yourself more preoccupied with them and you put your energy and effort and funding towards that goal so if If the people who are doing 90% of the work, or at least of the uh, prestigious work, happen to be uh, in wealthier countries and in wealthier research groups, they will fundamentally be working on uh, the rich people problems. Yeah,
1: I I think I broadly can see that that, that being the case. Um, I guess like science of science, so let's 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 take the specific goal of just like what you're describing is, uh, equ- leveling out the playing field, uh, making sure everyone who participates in the activity of science is like has like an equal fair shot at at at, at being involved, um, involving more people, more scientist groups in like reducing barriers for scientist groups in the global south so that they can participate more where a lot of science is being driven by the global north. This seems important uh scientists with disabilities who like can't necessarily read papers very as as effectively or can't necessarily write uh uh as like like can't turn out papers as fast as like you know like um able able-bodied scientists like including them also read the surveyor. so there is this like i guess like science of science work that's sort of motivated by that as a problem is driven by this view that like to push science forward we want to enter a world state in which more of these people who are currently excluded from science or can't participate fully in science can participate fully on equal grounds with the people who are currently driving science. And that is one that's the world state. And then there's like science and science work that maybe pokes at like possible causes, the possible directions um, that that like hints at possible interventions that we might we might make um towards that end. So science and science work could be just examining how much how inaccessible PDFs are like Lucy we'll Lucy Wong's work on, on this is great. Um,
2: uh, I think uh, it's been a pretty um, exciting discussion so far. Uh, I guess, as um, uh, a primarily NLP researcher, I'm pretty excited about uh, uh, how, I mean, what kinds of opportunities exist at the intersection of NLP and uh, science of science. Uh, maybe, uh, say, in the context of uh, uh, understanding scientific literature better, uh, what do you think are the uh, biggest, uh, um, exciting research directions in the direction, like research directions in, in NLP. NLP and, yeah. Yeah. How can NLP help with science or science?
1: How can NLP help with science of science. This is interesting. Um, so there's obviously like a tool building component to NLP. NLP is just a very engineering heavy practice. Like the field itself is a, it's a solve solve this problem of like, we got all this data that we don't know how to do stuff with it so we gotta build the machines that can do stuff with it uh that's literally nlp right um obviously you can use nlp to do like other scientific work like computational linguistics et cetera. Et cetera. but like you know nlp is a very like we gotta solve this problem kind of field um uh, let
0: me just say i think a lot of people will disagree with this statement, okay sure i'm not, that's I'm, my, not gonna, that's... I'm not gonna disagree with it but i think a <laughs>
1: that's my that's my that's my current hot take on it um so from this perspective i guess what nlp could help with science of science is if you want to do science of science nowadays we there's a couple barriers that nlp could probably help resolve one is just data access um a lot of interesting science and science works basically happens when you have when you provide rich data um think about like when wikipedia like how much nlp work how much this work in general has happened off of wikipedia because it's accessible it's available it has all this rich hyperlink structure people can just figure out all sorts of creative uses for it because it's available to researchers scientific literature if you want to do large-scale scientific literature analysis around like how people communicate how papers cite each other uh, who writes what papers you just need access to that data and right now a lot of data is just like closed up under like closed source like papers aren't necessarily open access and they're not open access in like a iad manner that um it's like it's like the whole this entire community gets gets their papers open and this entire community it, all of it is closed so when you do science of science analysis this is really really tricky to actually do right because if you do a citation graph based analysis and you have holes in your graph that are basically not because of id dropout then what are the findings that that you're making you're saying oh these communities don't cite each other but like is that true or is that just an artifact of you just literally didn't even have the data and so I have like a solution.
0: No... I have a solution for this. We just like, ignore everything that's not open access, and just like exclude it from all the analysis, and that's like just make it irrelevant. <laughs>
1: just make it really... But like that's the problem. I think the problem is like a lot of science of science, because science fundamentally is a lot of communication of ideas. It's it's hard to you have to be able to account for things like references to each other, reference between documents. Um, a lot of science of science is based off this idea of a citation graphs. So you can't just rip out a portion of the graph, drop all those edges, and be like, I'm gonna study this thing confidently without worrying about my findings. So I think NLP can basically help with maybe finding ways to build intermediate artifacts, um, that support these kind of large scale analysis. So just like general data, data work also just like cleaning PDFs and stuff like that, because if you try to work with PDFs before it's like actually atrocious, so if like, if you want to do basic things, like grab all the contribution statements from every paper to see how people communicate contributions, I don't know how to do that. At scale efficiently, um, right now, and it feels like a really basic operation. So yes. there's data, also just tools for large-scale sort of like information extraction, uh, summarization tools can be useful. So a lot of science science work involves this rapid iteration of like you have a question, you look at the data, you implement something to, to look at some figures or some statistics. And then from there you go, okay, I want to check this other thing. i check this other thing out. So you'd want to shorten this like iterative loop between like a scientist thinking about some phenomenon and then invest, seeing if that phenomenon exists in, in the data. And right now that translating sort of that thought to code that works well is difficult, which is a, fundamentally, a lot of this is like an NLP problem, um, and how to scale that efficiently because you're analyzing millions of documents at a time or, or a really big citation graph. And that's a efficient ML problem.
0: I want to unpack what you said, Kyle, because I think um, there's a lot, uh, you mentioned multiple things here and I, I, I want to comment on one thing, uh, the NLP, like the ability to do NLP work on top of scientific literature is something that has been extremely difficult a few years ago. And mm-hmm. uh, in big part due to the work that the semester team has been doing it's become way easier. Um, you guys, not to toot my own horn, but we did—you know—we did a really a shift in people's ability to process uh, scientific literature at a mass scale. And now you have much Solar APIs. You can mm-hmm. anyone who does NLP can just treat it as if it's any other data source, as if it's Wikipedia, if it's you know like yep. reviews from uh, or Quora questions, and uh, that's really really different than the situation um, back in 2016 uh, or 2015. So kudos uh, for leading a lot of these uh, efforts. uh, But also, the last part that you mentioned, I didn't quite understand. Are you saying that? um, And so you mentioned also summarization, which is important. I know that you guys have done uh, good work recently on summarizing, so generating shorter uh, descriptions of uh, scientific literature um which is something that's difficult to do because the genre is mm-hmm. uh, just like the uh, complexity of the terms and uh, all of this it's just it, when you just use the summarization model out of the box it doesn't give you good results so uh, kudos on that as well i know your team did a lot of work here uh, the part that i didn't quite understand is translating this to code and uh, yeah. why is that necessary or useful
1: so here's a concrete example um that's been coming up um I had, a pre- uh, I had a previous project with an intern and Laosha around um, citation mm-hmm. intent, trying to understand the intent behind like when a scientist, one paper cites another paper, why is, why is that happening? Okay. Um, are they citing it as justification for something? Are they citing it to, to just give credit for like, I, we, we use their model, we use their data, that et cetera, et cetera. The amount, the end goal was to do a large scientific study we wanted to be able to say like, hey, maybe uh, machine translation papers have this type of citation pattern, they all cite this one few seminal works for their particular artifacts and be able to call that out. Uh, and then we can then we can from there then we can analyze that like, well, what makes these artifacts kind of special where they're getting cited all often or not. This is a pretty easy question to articulate just like when I just asked it's like, hey, oh, yeah, I want to know what are the main data sets that everyone's citing? It's like, so I can conce- conceive of that idea really easily. To actually execute on this, um, what do we have to do? Well, we need to be able to access all of these papers because that's where full text because that's where citations are. So that's the data that's the data need. From there, we need to be able to classify these citational statements based on some fuzzy notion of like what does it mean to cite a data set? Well, what is a data set? And what is citing a data set? Is it citing a data set because I used it or is citing a data set because I'm comparing, like I'm introducing a new data set and I'm comparing it against that one? We have those distinctions. And so figuring out this, figuring out this coding scheme requires running basically some state of model that can do this classification or this tech, tech like this building this taxonomy over citation context, looking at the results and going, oh wait, we should add a new category. Oh no, we should split this label into multiple things. And then rebuilding the model. And this loop is so slow. It's like data annotation work, you look at the data annotation, then you build the model to do the thing. And then it's like you test the model. It's just this is the classical NLP loop that is extremely slow right now, which is why a lot of these, this is where the value of a lot of these like large scale language models are coming in is because they shorten that loop to get to some usable state. But even if you shorten the loop to get some usable state, let's say if I figure out the best prompts for gpt 4 on how to do this, now I need to run it at scale over over like 50 million papers. And then I can't pay I can't afford that. So 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 that's the the efficiency or scale problem of like, you can once I've gone to a good state, I still need the results at a really large scale.
2: We also wanted to get a sense of uh, the general community of science of science. Uh, what are uh, the, the key venues uh, where the research in science or science gets published. Are there like workshops, conferences that we should know
1: Yeah. Um the venues. Oh, there's so so I guess like similar to similar to um, my comment earlier is like it's I think there's a lot of science and science work that's community specific. Um, at least for example in the NLP space there's a computational social science track at a lot of the uh, NLP conferences. Um, Uh, I think Tackle accepts uh, computational social science or like community introspection works. So if you're an NLP person looking for science and science within NLP, um, there's works there. Uh, Broader, I think a lot of science and science work tries to go for these like big name journals. Like they show up in in, um, uh, PNAS, uh, they show up in science, they show up in CACM, sorry, like, um, uh, what is it? It's like, I think they show up in like, science, nature, a lot of these, a lot of these, but there's also just like a long tail of like journals that I don't necessarily read, but I've heard of. It's like, it's like the journals, like sociology or computational sociology, et cetera. Um, I think there's some science, and science work that's actually, it's like more introspective about like how a scientist thinks through this stuff. And that might show up in more like psychology journals too, but those can be very important works to, to think about as well. So it's sort of everywhere and diffuse, which is maybe a challenge. Should we create our own conference? I don't know. It's like, maybe there, I think there's merit in communicating results. So this is like because I come from a statistics background, this, this is a similar thing, like statistics, there's like a few poor statistics journals, but a lot of them are more theoretical, or like software based. And then a lot of statistics courses is actually embedded in a communities that that uh, for them so like a lot of seminal statistics course happens in psychology or happens in like geospatial like like environmental sciences and it's because after you get away from like really big abstract general methodology and you start tailoring to a part of the community well you want that community to adopt it and so you kind of embed your, your work into that community so i think there's also merit in like science of science work once it goes one layer more specific to be close to the community that they're being studying that they're studying
0: How about let let me do a counter proposal. We can have a venue where it's exclusively republishing work that's focused on CSI. Like we're not asking, we're not soliciting new contributions. We're soliciting Mm -hmm. people to resubmit the things that they already published or pre-published on archive. This way uh, we have like one concentrated, venue where everyone who cares about sci sci can come and kind of like diffuse uh, not diffuse uh, like learn and be exposed to the areas the that are like the sub-areas in sci-sci that they're not they're not particularly working on
1: yeah I mean there are like conferences for science science I think there's literally just like the international conference of science of science etc. Um I don't I mean sure I mean like you know like more conference I, I actually really like the idea of like decoupling submissions, like pu- for publication and like conference activity. Um, I know a lot of fields kind of do this. So sure idea of like republishing or like submitting an abstract That's like, here's this body of work. You're presenting three papers or even one paper, et cetera, and trying to pull people from across different pockets into one venue seems fun
0: really what's happening here is i'm getting i'm trying to get you to say yes because i've been wanting to uh, even wanting to organize I, like, I
1: feel like something exists already and it's just like my fault for not attending it or like not knowing about it it's i think that really the the difficulty here is just like getting away from there's very strong incentives to attend your own particular community and so mm-hmm. science of science is, is fundamentally an interdisciplinary field right you combines a lot of data science stuff with nlp stuff with psychology stuff, with sort of like philosophical stuff. It's like getting people, it's this, I think it's going to be the same barrier as just like why there aren't as many interdisciplinary researchers as as we would all like there to be.
2: Um, yeah, g- given that, uh, given the more recent advances in, I guess, AI in general, and also maybe particularly NLP and also the availability of lots of uh, different kinds of data, my guess is that the uh, the community of science of science is would be expanding more. Uh, it would have expanded more in the in the last few years. Do you think that's true? Maybe, maybe I could I could I could I could buy that.
1: Is like access to data, access to compute, any anything that like access to to sort of like powerful machines that like lower lower fundamentally lowers the barrier to be able to do large scale data analysis. Uh, like if you can prompt your way to classifying. Text and stuff, and you can do a little bit of Python notebooking. You could do science to science work at this point, right? Compared to maybe 10 years ago, then you had to actually build your own model for certain things, et cetera, et cetera. So fundamentally, as like tech becomes easier, more accessible, and then data becomes more accessible, I can see that lower barriers means more more people participating. But again, like I don't know where it's all happening.
0: All right. So (laughs) the last question I have for you is: You have a new intern or a new researcher joining the group, and Mm -hmm. are you know, they could work on LLM research or they could work on sci sci-sci work. Which one do you think more people are excited about within the demographic of people like you have onboarded in the team so far? Um, and this is kind of using this as a sense of to what extent is it a hot topic, you know? Because LLM's of course is extremely hot. I think
1: on average, more people want to do the LLM based work. Uh, when we when I recruit, I recruit mostly from my own publishing community, which is like for people who I know, and um, that's would be like sort of the machine learning crowd as well as the NLP crowd. Uh, and that tends to be the thing that like everyone wants to work on. It's like I want to touch the LLM, and do stuff with it, or do stuff to build them um, science to science. There's definitely people in sense and science in these particular communities, but again, they're just like fewer because of the nature of it being interdisciplinary and it's sort of like this like meta commentary uh, type of work over a field. Um, there's going to be fewer people who, who want to do that. So,
0: yeah. Do you want to plug uh, to do a quick plug in for Elmo uh, for OLMO? Because I know you've been leading uh, the yeah, sense data component of it.
1: Data component, yeah, um, sure. If uh, so, Luca Soldani and I are are co-leading the Dolma project, or I guess just like data pre-training data for 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 OLMo our large open language modeling projects. Um, it's not like we're not necessarily building like a model, and this is the model to to, to like combat the the proprietary models, um, but more of a well, we still want we want our publishing communities, our academic communities to have healthy access to data models, code, et cetera, so that we can keep studying these artifacts, uh, especially in light of a lot of these these things are going close, uh, sort of going dark. Um, so I don't want my career to be prompting XYZ API and just like trying to form theories around what might be happening with these models. I actually want to study what's going on with these models. Um, so. The project hopefully is about releasing artifacts um, that will support our ability to do research on this as well as just our own academic communities that we care about so that everyone can also do research on this in a sustained healthy manner Mm long-term. And part of this is modeling work, but part of this is also data work so that people can scrutinize the data. Um, We can verify things like how much hallucination is actually happening, how much, memorization is actually happening. It's hard to know unless you know the data and have the model that you trained the data, like, like with the data that I was trained on, so.
0: How, how, why is this better than, like why would I use this instead of Llama if I'm interested in specifically scientific documents?
1: Mm. Uh, so for Llama, if you're trying to process, if you're trying to basically like process scientific documents to some sort of end, you might actually want Lama. Um. one, because there is no OMA model yet. So like if you're you're going to just work on something now, work on, use LAMA, it's great. It's like, um, if you're trying to study, if it's not getting enough performance and you want high performance for a particular medical information extraction task or like a science, scientific information extraction task or something task, um, you might want to look at our data because we have quite a bit of scientific literature that we've been able to identify as open access cleaned up processed and released publicly as part of this dolma project Um, the collection is called pesto uh, which is sort of like our stork scientific paper collection cleaned up and processed removing a lot of stuff to make it more conducive for language model training and it looks like a lot of people are using this collection right now to do continued pre-training so if you want to do llama continue pre-training or minstrel continue pre-training just check out our, our our stuff but you know it's like Use whatever you want to use or don't use it. It's just like we're just like releasing stuff that we hopefully, hopefully is useful.
0: You're so not a salesperson,
1: Kyle. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like selling things. Um, no, I, I think I think the data is good. I think the data is good. Uh, check it out. If there's any problems with it, you know, like let us know. We'll fix it.
0: No, great. Awesome. So but just to clarify, to like uh, kind of like uh, rehash some of these things, uh, what is Stork? Could you help the reader or the audience understand what is Stork?
1: Yeah. Um, so Stork is base as a is a large collection of full text scientific articles that we've identified as open access. So we feel safe to to release them um, in their machine readable form. But the key thing is that we took care of all of the nonsense that has to come with dealing with PDF parsing and figuring out structure in the document, like um, what is the abstract what is the body text what are the sections what is bibliography etc as well as like where's the citation what does the citation actually point to etc these types of things that are repeatable asks for people who want to study scientific articles um, it's really annoying for every new project to have to go through this yourself so what we did with stork was we basically just did it all once and then made it a service so people can access it. Uh, So there's just like giant dumps of these articles now.
0: And it's a very valuable service. Uh, And how about DOLMA? Is DOLMA considered a subset of that, or is it a completely different project?
1: Yeah, DOLMA is specifically around language modeling. So um, it's a superset of this, I would say. Or actually, it's more like there are different needs. So with Stork, let's say, um, we want to support general scientific article research. So if you want to do a citation graph-based project, you could use Stork to get citation context because we have citation mentions in the articles resolved to their cited papers. So we have citation edges. But for language modeling, a lot of language modeling doesn't actually require a lot of the structure. At least you just kind of just need plain text documents linearized into one humongous string and, and then cleaned up in certain ways. So um, with we took Stork and we cleaned it up for language modeling um, specifically. And so that includes removing large swaths of the text, uh, which might be valuable for certain types of research, but maybe not as valuable for language modeling. Um, and then this became PESTO, which is the science component of the larger pre-training corpus called DOMA. DOMA contains other stuff like web crawl data from Common Crawl, Gutenberg books, Wikipedia, uh, other, other pre-training corpora like C4, et cetera
0: awesome thank you for explaining cool. this and then there's spectre is uh i'm just like helping you kind of like tell you guys have built recently gadgets and uh, stuff do you want to do you want to tell us about Specter? because spectre is quite closely related to this but it's uh you know like it's kind of like just a different audience
1: yeah yeah spectre is our embedding i guess like paper embedding type of work so um, it was originally born, I think Armand Kohan led the work with, with you and several others. Um, and the idea is that a lot of there's a repeatable operation in a lot of scientific NLP work, uh, which is you want to find nearest neighbors between documents. Uh, you want to be able to say, this document, oh, I want to give me, give me all the documents that are kind of like it, maybe in terms of field of study, in terms of topic or focus. Um, but I want to be able to just grab a pool of documents and find nearest neighbors. And the best way we know how to do this is with by taking the document, embedding it into some vector, and then putting all the documents in vector space and you doing nearest neighbor in vector space. Um, so how do you embed the documents? Spectre was a technique back then to embed documents and it using basically citation. Graph signals. So, if papers if a paper cites each other, that's a positive link. They're kind of they're probably related, so they should embed it together. If they don't cite each other, it's a negative link. They probably don't. And there's there's no link, so they're they're more of a negative pair. And you can do think of all sorts of training techniques for this. Spectre two was released recently, or at least it'll be at EMNLP. Um, and I think that's the project that embeds tries to embed a whole bunch of other stuff as well, like authors, um, venues, etc. So just treating like um, not just papers, but also as as the notes, but also just like these other heterogeneous entities that exist in a citation or academic graph.
0: Yeah, if anyone is working on scientific documents, as far as I can tell, this is the best model for inputting the scientific literature. So check it out. And uh, yeah, uh, anything else that you wanted to kind of like highlight of the work that you guys have been working on recently?
1: Yeah, I guess um, there's a couple of stuff that, I guess there's like one thing that we're presenting at EMNLP that um, that that I think might be a useful tool for people. Um, we're releasing actually we present this at Kai, sorry at Wist, and then we're also presenting at EMNLP. Um, but we have a lot of reusable software now that that we use in house um, for processing scientific papers um, and then like building UIs. Uh, like reading interfaces over those scientific papers. So, um, and a lot of that code is now open source. So you can feel free to grab it. Um, Paper Mage is one of our Python libraries. It's basically just like a pip installable tool where we pull in a whole bunch of computer vision techniques and NLP techniques and like, just like dirty code heuristic rules to basically convert uh, any arbitrary PDF into some structured representation. And the key thing about the structure of rotation is, it's not just, oh, this string in this document is the title or the abstract or whatever, but you also have the XY position of all of these entities on the page. So if you want to do multimodal analysis, uh, you could do it with this library. Um, the key thing that we basically resolve here is a lot of this really annoying boilerplate code that nobody wants to write. Like if you have an NLP text only technique, let's say if you extract all the entities on a page, um, Using some hucking Face model that's text only, and now you want some intuitively like, well, I want to highlight it on the page, like just put a blue box on it. Where do you get the bounding boxes from? Like this library basically takes care takes care of a lot of that. Um, so more just like making life easier type of stuff. And then similarly, a lot of our HCI researchers have built this UI toolkits, um, basically a, a React components library. So if you want to build a reading interface that can surface a whole bunch of um, like any sort of NLP that you do on top of a paper, if you want to visualize it and you don't want to build the UI, a lot of that code is already public. Um, and this is the same code that we're using for the production semantic reader. So if you want to build something similar, go ahead and take all of it. Um, that UI is called Papercraft. The end is called PaperMage. Um, I think it's all already on the
0: internet. Sweet, yeah, that sounds yeah. super useful for anyone building products on top of sense for Literature. Um, so thank you for sharing that just to, you mentioned something you said any pdf but uh, my impression is that you only work with scientific documents is that right yes sorry Sign
1: any scientific article pdf you can okay. technically run any pdf at it i don't know <laughs> what happens at the end of it like it could just be chaos um
0: it would be fun to see how it does on legal uh, documents because legal documents show a lot of uh, kind of like uh, these elemental pieces with the center culture? Are I think so, through- too. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that
1: the the legal document thing, they're a lot less problematic when, when we tried it out. So we, we had this project with like the clearinghouse.org um, with so trying to parse like sort of civil rights lawsuits. And there's a lot, at least from those, it's like the problems here are like big tables, um, which everyone has troubles actually parsing. Um, but there's a lot less like two column format, very dense figure like very dense figures. Like scientific articles are just like horrific at like trying to compress as much information onto like a few pages. Um, legal documents I think are more liberal but like, oh yeah, we can have this thing run like a few hundred pages long. Um, so I don't the parsing know who came is
0: up with the um, idea of having two columns. Who like who came up with this idea? That's such a bad idea. I,
1: I don't know. I don't know. It's like it's like it's like atrocious to try to deal with but eh. um yeah, I guess. So those are some tools that maybe people would find helpful. Um, and then I guess beyond that, I don't know, I guess like general, recently just generally thinking about like what's what's important to build and what's not important to build or like what's it like a bad idea to build um, for, for, for I guess like accelerating science.
0: <laughs> OK, with that note, thank you so much, Kyle, uh, for joining us today. Uh, Really appreciate all the insights you have into this field and sharing it with the audience. And I apologize for this noise. It's just the perfect time for the person who's cleaning the uh oh, I actually the- can't hear it.
1: I think the noise cancellation is really good on
0: perfect. perfect. <laughs> Technology works sometimes. Cool. Okay, see you Kyle. Bye.
1: Well, cool. see you while bye.